My guest today is Ben Kacheri here to talk about his review of Tales from the Borderlands. My name is Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Thank you so much for joining us here on your on your premiere episode of Quality Control. I've done an episode of Quality Control before. What was it? We did Skylanders. That's right. We now talked I toys and fun games with children. A, a lot of good memories that just came flooding back for that. I am grateful <laughs> to you. Uh, today we're here to talk about Tales from the the Borderlands. Um, I gotta say I saw a demo of this um, and. Uh, back at E3, I think it was. And I was feeling a little sort of fatigued on the whole Telltale uh, thing. And what I saw there seemed to be kind of a breath of fresh air. And I, I'm happy to hear reading your review that that, that seems to be the case. Yeah, it's... It, I really get the sense that they had a lot of fun with this. Especially after going from The Walking Dead and Fables, which are two really dark you know, gritty, noir, anyone can die at any moment type of thing. And this is way more lighthearted, way more fun, st- still incredibly violent because it's the world of Borderlands. But it's it's such a great change of pace for that style of game. And I think it's really refreshing. Have you played a lot of uh, recent Telltale releases? What was sort of your, your... Were you experiencing any of that burnout leading into this? You know, I don't think so. I I really like what Telltale does in a lot of ways. You know, you give them a few hours and they tell you, you know, you get a self-contained episode of these stories. And I really like the world of fables and I'm a big Walking Dead fan. So I was just, I was scared it was going to be more of that kind of dour feeling. Once I kind of got a swing of how funny it's going to be, you know, that really pulled me into it very quickly. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, the sort of unique narrative structure of the game where two people are relating their story uh, from two different perspectives. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that and just sort of what opportunities that provides Telltale to like build on the narrative in ways that they couldn't without it. Yeah, it's really interesting because they there are two main characters, Fiona and Reese, um, one of which is a grifter. The other one works for Hyperion, and he's kind of a businessman, and she's just trying to you know, survive and make a living on Pandora. And they're both physically in the same place, relating the story of the game to a third party. And I think kind of the less I say about this, the better, because so much fun of these games is kind of discovering how the story works. But it does that neat thing that since someone is telling the story it gets rid of the idea that you're experiencing it as it happens. So someone can do something goofy or you see something that's a blatant lie and the other character will call them on it and then it'll be adjusted. You can play the same scene from multiple points of view. When the view shifts, it's, it's all locked in. It's still a very linear game outside of the, the story choices. But it plays with you a ton in terms of how the story unfolds and kind of what your expectations are. Uh, you you uh, sort of breeze through the the game the actual physical gameplay mechanics, um, which isn't meant to be uh, uh, a a criticism. It it <laughs> I, I I know that there's not a ton to uh, say about it, but I was hoping you could sort of what are the actual like 
interactions like? I mean, what are, what are, what is the actual experience of playing the game like? They didn't change anything when it comes to kind of the telltale experience. You still do a little bit of walking around, and then you you click on the very obvious points of interest, and you third can, person. Yeah, it's third person, and then you can when you get into a conversation, you pick things out of the dialogue tree. There are certain points where you can make you know strong decisions about what you do, like a choose your own adventure book. So it is very much like playing a movie where every so often you're asked to kind of involve yourself and make a decision about how the narrative is going to run. Is there like a combat? Is there, are there any combat scenarios? Not really. All the combat is basically handled through quick time events and you can make a few decisions about how you want to handle some things. One of the most clever things they did is there's a gun that's introduced early. And, you know, when you introduce a gun, at some point it has to go off. And it's stressed to you that this gun only has one bullet. It's You save it for emergencies. And it comes into play in this episode. And the decision of when you do or don't fire was fascinating. And then as the thing goes on and more decisions pile up, you kind of either think, oh, I did the right thing, or now I regret what I did. It really drives home the point that your decisions in this game matter which is what telltale does incredibly well you do feel like you have some control over how this story goes um and what kind of story is it is this leaning more towards uh action comedy suspense horror what are we what are we talking about here it's a it's a very funny game there is action it's very much the most you know quote unquote action-packed of Telltale's releases. So you do get these crazy action set pieces and things happen and it's it's fairly large in scope. What's interesting is if you've played the past Borderlands games, they actually bring in like the concept of the Vault Hunter, right? And in the game, they're kind of like, everyone knows what they are and they're kind of scary and they're badasses, but they're also kind of cool. Like in the review, I kind of bring it up like you're playing a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead of Borderlands. You're these kind of bit players doing this story over to the side while way more powerful characters are doing all this other stuff kind of around you. And I really dig that idea that Borderlands, like while the main games are going on, there's all these side stories that they can now explore in this game. Now, I wanted to talk with you about that a little bit because this has been a a topic that that has fascinated me about video games is that when you are living the uh, through the eyes of a character who is not at the perceived center of the world that you are living in, the best example that I always, the one that I always turn to is Shadows of the Empire, which if if you remember, that is a game where on the Nintendo sixty four where you are in the world of Star Wars, but instead you're just a dude with a jetpack and also a gun, and I I always likened that to a game called Help Me Spider Man where you're someone in New York hoping that Spider-Man stops and saves you from whatever calamity you've gotten yourself into. Like, if I know there are people running around with lightsabers and stuff, I would like to be those people if I can be them. Does it feel like... Do you get any sense of that in this game? Like, is it kind of like, oh, man, those Vault Hunters look like they're having fun. I wish I could be them. Or or does it work in spite of that? It works, I think, because of that in a little way. And you can be a Vault Hunter. You can buy any of these existing Borderlands games. Like, that that shit's handled. What's fun is that the two characters who kind of lead this story and a lot of the side characters, you feel like you could be them. Like, there is a world where you're a middle manager at a shitty company and you're passed over for promotion, for a promotion, and you're trying to get one over on your boss. 
which is basically the basic setup for, you know, Reese's story. So like they're not aspirational. These are just like people that you are seeing their story as it happens and they're surrounded by these bigger powers. And I think sometimes it's really fun to take a step back and like step into the life of someone who you could potentially be in another life or in another dimension or on another planet or something. I think that's part of the fun of it. And the characters will even like fawn over a vault hunter a little bit. Like, man, you're just cool. You look like you're having a great time. And that kind of awareness of what it's doing is there's so many great little pieces of dialogue in here that pull you in and make you laugh and kind of they wink at the player. And that's so hard to do without it being cloying or precious. I think they nailed the tone very, very well. Uh, This game has more sort of like star power, I think, than your typical uh, Telltale game. As big of a fan as I am of uh, Dave Fenoy the voice of Hulu does not a, a celebrity make. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you about the, the celebrity talent. We've got, of course, Chris Hardwick in the lead from a singled out fame. There's Sam Witwer uh, from Battlestar Galactica and also another uh, video game. He was the, the dark, the, uh, the guy in the force unleashed star killer. Remember that cat? I do. That was yeah. That, those that was were, him. Those that were games him. that were released and happened. Got Patrick Warburton up in the mix. Uh, he's in there. Do they? Do you feel like this works uh, better with the celebrities? Is it distracting? What's What's your take? You know, I think God bless and keep Chris Hardwick. But I think outside of a relatively small number of people who are playing these these games, he's not an immediately recognizable voice. Um, I would say of all the voices that jumped out at me, Patrick Warburton would probably be the most obvious because he, he kind of always does the same thing. Luckily, yeah. he's cast incredibly well. His character does Patrick Warburton perfectly. Um, everyone else falls into their character well enough that it works. And I think that speaks a lot to the voice actors. But even more so, I think the writing talent behind this game just did an incredible job of making these characters in these very surreal, over-the-top, incredibly goofy situations actually feel like people. Like, they have motivations. They react in a semi-realistic way, even when it's funny. So it, it all works, like, way better than it should. And I think that's... Telltale's just hitting their stride, I think. I've been sort of critical... Uh, uh about the episodic model. Um, I'm not crazy about it anymore, and I'm, I'm progressively less crazy about it as time goes on. I like the episodic structure. I don't like episodic delivery. Um, do you? Were you sad you didn't have another episode to play right away? Or, or where are you at with episodic uh, games? I, I'm the opposite. I love episodic games. Like, I think part of the interaction and part of the fun for me is like, I like shorter games that you can play in one sitting. I played this all in one go like I was watching a movie. And it works very well in that way. But then it's like, it's neat because there's a reveal at the end and there's plot twists and fun things happen. And now we get to discuss those and think about what's going to happen. We get to kind of anticipate the next thing. It's the same way that, you know, when Game of Thrones happens, if you're watching it live, you get that fun water cooler conversation the next day. And I feel like we get that from Telltale Games online and on Twitter and stuff. Hopefully everyone keeps the spoilers back. But I really dig, like, talking about the stories as they happen. And if you don't want a part of that and you just want to blow through it in one 15-hour game or however long it's going to be, 
you know, just wait. I mean, that's the cool thing. You can play it either way. Uh, I uh, got a couple of questions about this game. Um, both were sort of the same questions, so I'm combining them. They're from Brian and also Sverrir from Iceland. Sorry, Sverrir. I tried my best. Uh, uh, they ask, how much does the game rely on the Borderlands mythos? Is having completed Borderlands, Borderlands 2, and the pre-sequel necessary in order to enjoy and appreciate the game? What a wonderful question. Um, if you haven't played Borderlands, there are some jokes you're going to miss. If you have, there's enough callbacks, I think, in the game that you're kind of be like, oh, I know what they're talking about. Oh, I recognize that character. But it also works as a really good introduction into the world of Borderlands and Hyperion and Pandora and all of these characters. Um, and I, I think that was done very deliberately. I don't think it, it behooves Gearbox and Telltale to release a game that anyone can jump into and keep playing. And I have no doubt that at least a few people will move on to the Borderlands series from this. Not Probably not as many as go in the other direction, but it's a great introduction into Borderlands, I think. Bank and Chara, thank you so much for joining me here on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. And thank you to you for listening. Uh, if you've got questions about games that are coming out, qualitycontrol.polygon.com is the address. If you get a second to leave us a rating or review uh, on iTunes, that would be superior. Or if you could just uh, le- let a friend know about the show, that would really help us to grow. Uh, until the next time we got a game to talk about, for Ben Kachera, I'm Justin McElroy, and thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.